Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. So, there seems to be some indication that I might be long-winded. You know, I preached at a church. I can't remember where it was at. Um, I, pre- I preached the, the morning service. I think I preached Sunday school, Sunday morning. We'll start in Proverbs 29. We'll, we'll launch off from there. And, um, and then I was preaching again that night, and this probably seven-year-old boy came up to me and grabbed my hand, and I thought he was going to say something sweet. And he said, can you not preach too long tonight? <laughs> So I kicked him in the face and told him to go sit down. (laughs) No, I didn't kick him. (laughs) Proverbs 29. We'll start off here. You already know the verse. I hope you have it memorized or will have it memorized by the end of this, this conference. And I hope you'll bring it to mind repeatedly as you go out throughout your daily life, as you try and determine how you want to approach life. What's life all about? What are you going to do? You need a vision. That vision comes from the Word of God. And without the Word of God, you are as, as, as lost as every other person in this world. If you didn't have the Word of God, you might tonight think that men could become women. <laughs> if you didn't have the Word of God, you might not know who to date. You might, there's a lot of things you would get wrapped up in if you did not have the Word of God, where just 20 years ago, there's no way you would have thought... <laughs> Anybody would believe those things. Or if they did, you knew that, man, they're weird. They got problems. <laughs> now you're the weird one <laughs> because you abide by the word of God. Verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And so as you determine this week what the vision of your missions conference is going to be and what the future of this church is going to be and how things are going to go, We established last night that where you're going to get that vision is not from your own personal taste, not from your own ambitions, not from your own ideas. You're going to search the scriptures. Because where there is no vision, that means there's nobody there that's opening the law of the Lord and telling people, thus saith the Lord. This is where we get our ideas from. This is how we get our hearts right. This is how we challenge our ideas, our minds, our thoughts, our our, everything gets, gets brought here. And corrected here. And this is where the vision comes from. This is where it all starts. So what I'm going to do tonight from there 
is, I'm going to give you a vision of the world. And you might say, that, that seems, as Christians, that seems like an awfully odd thing to want to do. <laughs> Why do I want to see what's going on in this world? Why do I want a vision of the world? Well, uh, I looked it up a couple days ago, about a week ago, up, up until that point in 2020, on average, about 153,400 plus people die per day in the world. That's, that's the whole world. How many of those people heard the gospel before they passed from this life to the next? And why didn't they hear it if they didn't hear it? <clears throat> Is there not enough wealth? Are there, are there not enough people? Is there not enough concern? I mean, we could sit and have a long discussion about it, but it's our responsibility. You, you could take it, you can make it your responsibility right here in this church tonight. The loss of those lives, it's our fault. So let's, let's develop a vision. How can we fix this? What can we do about it? How can we participate, this, participate in this and change things? But, but still, to have a vision of the world seems like an odd thing, especially when the Bible says that deceivers are entered into the world in 2 John 7. Antichrist is in the world in 1 John 4, 3. False prophets are gone into the world. And we learned last night, a false prophet will give you a, a vain vision. God said the prophets make you vain. <laughs> they give you a vision of their own heart. And that's not going to help you. That's, if I gave you a, Hitler gave Germany a vision of his heart. How did that go? We want a vision from God's word. We want to make certain that what we're talking about is from God's word. The world hates Christians, according to, according to 1 John 3.13. We are not to love this world, according to God in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 16. Friendship of the world is enmity with God. So why would we want a, a vision of the world? Why would we care about this world? Why don't we get saved, removed from this world, and just leave them alone? Let them go. Let them, according to Ephesians 2, there's a course to this world, and it's against God. And they're happy in that course. Why would we go bother them? Why do we care? Look at 1 John chapter 4. Why would this be a concern at all? Who, who cares about Ireland? It's a beautiful place. It's great to go visit. You know, I don't need to bother those people with this Jesus stuff. 1 John chapter 4. And verse 7 might give us some indication. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love in this. Okay, so everybody knows God is love. You tell people on the street that God's going to send people to hell. They'll say, well, I just think he's love, and he just thinks everybody's okay. I don't really think he would send anybody to hell. That's not what he said. Right. But he said, I do love you, but if you don't trust in my son, I'm going to cast you into hell. Yep. I, I love you. I want you to love me, but the choice is yours. I've made everything available to you. Jesus said, I, even if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And what do men do? They say, you know, I'm kind of, I'm okay in my darkness. I'm all right over here. Until they lift up their eyes in hell being in torment, then they're mad at God. Why'd you do this to me? (laughs) And that's typically how it goes. But if you look back at verse 9, in this, God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. because Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now, that's, that's incredible to me because 
when, when you put it all together, and you understand this, you know this, but I want you to consider it from this perspective. The reason the Lord had to come is because this world is against him. The world hates him. The world sins against him. He says, don't lie, and they lie right to his face. <laughs> he says, don't steal, and they'll steal from God. He told, he told, the, he told the Jews in Malachi, you steal from God. <laughs> and then what did they say? When? Where? I don't steal from you. They argued with him. So the Lord said, you know what? I'll come take care of this myself. I'm going to come into this world that hates me. I'm going to live amongst men. And then I'm going to let those people that hate me nail me to a cross. I'm going to die for them, shed my blood, be buried and rise again the third day so I can save them out of this world. But you need to know what this world is. You need to have a proper understanding of what this world is. You need to know what it's capable of. But you also need to know your responsibility to this world. We're not supposed to just, you're not, you're not supposed to join in the course of this world, but Christians have overwhelmingly. They spend more time watching television and participating in the entertainment and everything that this world has to offer than they do in their Bible. And that is 100% evident because we, as we think about the world, a, a, a place where there is no vision, people perish. What happens overwhelmingly in this world? People are dying and they're going to hell. And Christians sit around talking about, I wish somebody would go help those people. <laughs> I, wish somebody, I wish somebody would care about those people. What about you? Is there anybody in your life you're concerned about? Is there anybody you work with you're concerned about? Do you have, do you have no concern for this world whatsoever? Jesus Christ loved this world to an extent that he came into it and allowed them to take his life. And so what the Lord wants, the, 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 Lord, the Lord saw how desperate this situation was. And then he came to us. Did you know that you were in that world? You were part of that world? Until one day somebody showed up, shined some light in your face, gave you the word of God. You trusted in Jesus Christ. He saved your soul and then brought you into the beloved. You were part of that. It was a desperate situation. And now the Lord expects you to see how desperate that situation is. And like he came into the world to save sinners, he wants you to go into the world and preach the gospel that will save their soul. Will you do that? Do you do it? Are you concerned at all? I, 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 hope, I hope that you are. Let's look at another familiar passage. We looked at it last night. John chapter 3. And let's kind of tie last night's message together with tonight's message as we try and develop a vision. John chapter 3, let's see it again. Again, you could quote the passage. This is not anything new. I just want to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. You mean the same world he told you to stay away from? The same world he told you not to love? The same world he said was enmity with him. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn the world. Lost people seem to know that passage where Jesus didn't come to condemn. It's because you're condemned already. <laughs> he doesn't need to come and, and, and 
hand out the condemnation, you're already condemned. Keep reading. He said, not a son of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the only begotten Son of God. Now, when, when I lead people to Jesus Christ, I love to bring them to th- that verse. After they claim that I, I called on the name of the Lord, my soul is saved, I belong to Jesus now, I bring them to that passage and I say, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Is that you? And this realization comes over them. This light goes off in their head and they just start smiling real big. Because up until that point, it may not, they may not have fully realized what just happened to them. I have escaped condemnation. My soul is saved. My sins are forgiven. I am going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ when I pass from this life to the next. And then I, I continue reading. I say, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Is that you? And they just, no, that's not me. That's not me. But how do they get from A to B? How do they get from not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, turn to Romans 10, to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ? How is this made clear to them? How are they confronted with the gospel? How are they helped by these things? Again, it's, it's not floating around like, like say, a virus. <laughs> Contaminating people. Somebody has to take this and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Somebody has to have enough concern for this world to say, can I tell you what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you? Did you know he died for your sins? Did you know you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell, but you can escape that condemnation through Jesus Christ? That is available to you right now. I'd love to tell you about it. Can I talk to you about it? And no matter how many people say, no, I don't believe that. I don't care about that. You just keep smiling and telling the next person. You're not, you're not commissioned by God to go get results. You're commissioned by God to go sow that seed. Plow the ground, water, sow the seed. Anything you can do to help spread the gospel, do it. Do it to the day the Lord takes you home. Romans 10, so how, how does this happen? Again, very familiar passage, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Great. You mean they don't have to get in water and be baptized? No. They don't have to, you don't have to do the, the crucifixion. You don't have to eat, you know, some special food. You don't have to go to Mecca, Medina. You don't have to go to the Vatican. You don't, you don't, you don't have to pass from this life to the next and then be reincarnated. I mean, there's, there's no religious work to do. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. What a tremendous thing. God could have made it so impossible. Climb that mountain and I'll save your soul. <laughs> a lot of us would not have made it. Call upon the name of the Lord. But, but, with that simplicity, all people have to do, call upon the name of the Lord. But, it's always a but. Verse 14, how then, how, should, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? That's a very practical question. The Bible is far more practical, I think, than people would like it to be. If, if the requirement is to call upon the name of the Lord, but they haven't believed on the name of the Lord, why would they call on him? Okay, that's a good question. Well, what else does it say? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? If nobody is telling them about Jesus Christ, how will they ever believe? And if they don't believe, they will not call. 
And then whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord just just gets left alone. I called on the Lord. You called on the Lord. Like I said last night, we could just kick our feet up, relax, and wait till the Lord takes us home to heaven. That's not the objective. That, that is not the objective. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And then you might be tempted to say, well, yeah, I have a pastor. <laughs> That's not what it's saying. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's right. You have been told, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Lord didn't say, now what I want you to do is form a church, elect a pastor, and then send him out into the world to preach the gospel. That's me. That's you. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. That's his responsibility. That is, that is who we are and what we are supposed to be doing. We are ambassadors of Christ. You're supposed to be out serving your ambassador. And too often, too often we are, we are not doing that. They escape condemnation by trusting in Jesus Christ, but they come to trust in the Lord in a very specific way. Someone has to go tell them. Now, you know that. And I know that. I'm not insulting your intelligence. Again, tonight, this is going to be, this is going to be very deep, I know. But if we all know that someone has to go preach the gospel and you have the gospel and they don't have the gospel, where's the missing link? <laughs> why, why, if, if we were to drive around DeSoto County tonight or Sunday and visit as many churches as we could, how many independent Baptist churches in this area would be, would be nigh unto death about to close the doors? There's nobody preaching the gospel. There's no concern for souls. Many of them flourished in a heyday where people just in America just went to church. There was nothing else to do on Sunday. Everything was closed. What are you going to do? I guess we'll go to church. That day is long gone. That day is long gone. And there are a number of people in this country at this point in time who have never gone to church and have no intention of going. The Lord needs us to reestablish this vision, this idea that we are responsible to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and it is both an individual responsibility that you have to carry out in your daily life, and it's a church responsibility. There's a much bigger picture here. But let's make it a little more personal. I know you were waiting for that. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24. So that's the world. The world is it's lost. It's on its way to hell. It's in darkness. It's, it's following its own course. It has no concern for God. It's not going to accidentally fall into a church. Someone has to step out into that darkness and, and be a beacon of light. Somebody's got to step into that emptiness and be some salt. And have some, some concern for the souls of this world. 153,000 people per day. You just lost an opportunity. You just lost another one. You just lost another soul. Every second, people plunged into hell. And we just kind of act like that's okay. Like there's really no concern about that. I, I hope, I hope, if that's the mentality you, you have had, and you didn't realize it, maybe, I hope you will, you will repent of that and get serious about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do everything you can to get the gospel to this world. 
Give everything you can, your energy, your time, your money, your labor, whatever it is, give it over to the Lord. Let's get the gospel out around the world as best we can before we die, before we join that 153,000. And then you're standing in front of the Lord having to answer for how you lived your life as a Christian in a Bible-believing church. I, I hope that's a joyous day. I believe it will be. I do. I don't think this is going to be a, uh, you know, a badgering opportunity, but I want, I want to stand before him. You know, the Lord saw Moses, the Lord told, told Joshua about Moses in, in Joshua chapter one. And he said, Moses, the servant of the Lord is dead. And then when Joshua died, after the Lord turned to Joshua, he said, Joshua, the son of Nun, the, the servant of the Lord is dead. What would it feel like to stand before the Lord and he look at you and say, well, <laughs> there's Thomas, the servant of Thomas, took good care of himself, thought about himself real well. But he had no concern for anything that I was concerned about. He had no concern for people, for souls, for death, for hell. <laughs> I don't want to be that person. Proverbs 24. So let's, let's be a little more specific Proverbs 24, look at verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now, these next few verses are, are, to me, very sobering. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, Now, listen carefully. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? He shall, he shall not, shall, excuse me, and shall he not, and shall not he, I'll get it in a second, render to every man according to his works. Now, this should be a very sobering passage for every one of us. Now, the, the onset, he says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, you know, the world operates today the same way it did in Noah's day. It's really no different. It's technologically advanced, but they still eat, they drink, they marry, they give in marriage, and then they die. No concern for God, except the whole marriage thing is a little weird now, and what they're drinking and, and other drugs that they're taking might get a little bit odd. It might be a little bit more extreme. But it's still, it's still the same process. They don't care about God. There's no concern for God whatsoever. Uh, they, they, they carry on in this exact same manner, happy to reject, to reject God and keep him out of their lives. And it says in Noah's day, and they knew not when the flood came. They don't know. They don't know. They might have some indication, they may have heard, somebody told them, but they have been educated out of the idea of God and the reality of God. So at this point, they don't know, but you do. And three times the Lord says here, if, if, if. Three ifs were given, and then at the end, at the end result of it, God sits back and says, let me think about that. Let me think about what they're saying. That, that terrifies me. Now, the world doesn't realize what's coming their way. And 
And we try and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they just, they just laugh and take another drink. They don't care. When you sit back and think about that, we're expected to go tell a group of people, a, a massive group of people, who don't want to hear from God, who don't care for God, who don't like you, according to, to 1 John. They don't, they don't want to hear from you. They don't even want you to exist. But that's who we're supposed to go and tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a daunting task. God says, you see these people out here? They hate you. Go tell them about me. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I need you to go interrupt their lives and tell them, Jesus is coming soon. You better, get your, you better prepare to meet that God. And they, they will cuss you. We stand out on the street corner. We like to go street preaching. As a matter of fact, Brother, Brother Jacob and his wife came up here, and it's a blessing that they, they would come up here and, and you know, uh, have to hear me preach. Uh, but we've been going out street preaching with them. And now I'm about to tell you what it's normally like. It's not like this in Amory, Mississippi. You go street preaching in Amory, Mississippi, and they buy you pizza. They bring you water. They tell you thank you. I mean, it's... I have to, a reporter, a reporter stopped and wrote an entire article about us street preaching in Amory, Mississippi. That doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. I'm just, you know, because he's not going to believe what I'm about to say because it's been so good. But you do that in Deland, Florida. And Deland, Florida is the home of Stetson University, which is a liberal arts college. And they hate us because we ruined their little, you know, liberal utopia. And they, they come by and they, they all say the same thing. So, you know, Satan rules. I usually turn to them and say, I mean, could you be a little original? Maybe go home, think of something original, then come back. Because we, we hear that like five times a day, every day that we go out on the street. I don't know where you all got that from, but it just, you, you know that it's not original when 10 people come by and say the exact same thing because they read the same book and heard it from the same people. And so I just, you know, when you have an original thought, maybe I can help you. When, when you can think for yourself, maybe I can help you. Until then, just, just go home and start over. Take your mom's car home. I, I can't, you know, I can't help you right now. And, they get frustrated because they think I'm the idiot because I'm standing on a street corner with a sign that says Jesus saves and a Bible. And, you know, they're college educated and sophisticated and all these, you know, great things. And so they'll come by and they'll tell me that, that I don't know that Jesus died because you can't really know anything for sure. This is the world, okay? This is what you would be without a Bible. So I ask him, you go to Stetson University? Yes, I do. You're paying $50,000 a semester to learn that you can't know anything? And he just looks at you like, I never thought about that. <laughs> Your professor told you that, and it sounded so philosophical and so wonderful, and you bought it hook, hook line, and sinker. Uh, so did, do you have a job? Yeah, I have a job. How do you know? <laughs> did you work this week? Well, of course I work. How many hours you work? 40 hours. Well, what if your boss says it's 20? Nobody can know anything, so how do you know? You got money in the bank? And then you don't want to answer the question anymore. Because as soon as you start pinning down the way that they live their daily lives, it's very clear to them that, that, that they don't even believe their own philosophy. It just sounded cool. And to me, it doesn't even sound cool. It sounds idiotic. You can't know anything. That's knowledge. You have to know that you don't know anything. And so anyways, I don't, that's not part of the sermon. I'm just telling you that this, this is the world. 
This is where they are. And if you don't take some truth and interject it into this world, they're going to continue to be that educated and stupid. Then they're going to die and go to hell. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's funny. I'm t- the Christian life is exciting. You grab a Bible and go stand on a street corner, it'll get real exciting real quick. But they need you there. They need your intervention. They need you to send missionaries out. They need you to be missionaries. They need you to witness on your job. They need you to witness to your family. They need you to ruin Thanksgiving supper because you want to talk about Jesus. They need you in their life. They just don't know it. But it's a massive task. It's huge. Look at verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou faint. If you try and do this in your own strength, in your own power, you're going to faint. You're going to find out real fast your strength is small. You've probably found that out in numerous areas of your life and didn't realize it till it was too late. Rather than relying on God and the word of God, you tried to go at this on your own and found out your, your strength is awfully small. And if that's true in the micro areas of your life, if that's true in your emotions, in your thoughts, in your actions, <laughs> How are you going to go out and tell hundreds and thousands and millions of people that they need Jesus Christ? How are you going to handle that? The Lord said, you, go ye into all the world. What part of the world does that leave out? That means you are individually responsible for the entire world. Congratulations. You got a big job to do. How are you going to do it? How could you possibly accomplish that? If you're not a part of a church, a Bible-believing church, if they don't send out missionaries, Bible-believing missionaries, if they don't associate with other churches or trying to do the same thing, if you, don't, if you don't join up and link up with God's people and get this job done, there goes 153,000, and then another 153,000, and then another 153,000. It's an urgent opportunity, and it's a vast opportunity You don't have the strength to do this. You don't have the ability. Lord, how how can I give more money to missions? How can I give more money to my church? Do you not see my bills? Do you not see what we're living with? It's like, Lord, Lord, carest not thou that we perish? (laughs) Why do you have no faith? Why do you have no faith? Why can't you trust the Lord in these matters? Is it, is it a heart matter? Is it something that you're clinging to and that you love more than the Lord? Or is it really just, I, I, I don't, I don't, I feel like I'm going to faint. I feel like my, my strength is too small, but the Lord's, the Lord's strength is made perfect in that weakness. This is your opportunity to step out and trust the Lord. You might be strong. You might be stronger than me emotionally, mentally, physically. You might be stronger than most of the people in this room, emotionally, mentally, and physically. But when it comes to the task of world missions, at some point, you're going to realize, I can't do this. And you're going to faint. And you're going to see that your strength is, is, is awfully small. Lord, how can I possibly tell a world of people 
who hate me, who are content in darkness because their deeds are evil about Jesus Christ. We're not even, it's not like there's a pocket of people sitting over there waiting on us to come tell them. <laughs> like they arranged this whole meeting, they just wish the missionary would show up. That's not what's happening. You got to go, this guy's on his way to work. Can I talk to you for a minute? No, <laughs> leave me alone. Okay, well, I'll just stand on the corner and preach to you as you walk down the street. (laughs) We are responsible to tell people about Jesus Christ. But questions of this sort, when you say, Lord, how can I do this? How can we as a family do this? How is it possible we as a church can do this? What you're revealing to yourself. I have no strength. I have no power. I have in and of myself, I cannot do this. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need God's word. You need the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, turn to Acts chapter 1. Hold your place in Proverbs. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, now, this is an amazing thing to ask at this point in time. This, the, the, the disciples talking to the risen Lord Jesus Christ just before he ascended back into heaven. He's given his final instructions to them before he leaves. And they get to ask one question. <laughs> there probably would have been a lot of things I would have asked. I don't think this would have been it. I'd like to say this would not have been it. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom unto Israel? (laughs) And far too often, we'll touch on this just a little bit tonight. This is the mindset of Bible-believing Christians today. Lord, could you give us a kingdom that would facilitate what we're trying to do? Could you please give us Donald Trump back? Could you lower my taxes and, and give us a booming economy? Could you create the conditions within my kingdom so that we can live comfortably and then go to church freely, but do nothing to affect world missions? I just want to be comfortable. I want my politics to be my politics. I want my president to agree with me politically, though it can be a complete dirtbag and have 17 wives. That's okay, as long as he lowers my taxes. Could you just make the kingdom the the way I want it? (laughs) Could you work that out? Look at verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. The Lord said, I deal with governments. You stay out of it. That's not your business. Now, you render under Caesar that which is Caesar's, and you vote when you get to vote, and you participate in so far as as the system you live under allows you to participate, but that's not going to help you accomplish world missions. That might be a good tool to have in the bag, but when it's not in the bag, you got to work without it. That's just how it is. That's just where we are. Now, this is a reference to the kingdom of heaven. Someday the Lord will come back and he will establish the kingdom of heaven the way he wants it. Not the way you want it and the way I want it. He's going to come back and he's going to rule with a rod of iron. (laughs) I don't know that I would elect a guy that's going to rule with a rod of iron. But fortunately, I have a king to whom I belong, and he's going to take care of all that, probably without asking me. Because that's within his power. That's his business. 
But if you asked, if you asked the average Baptist, anybody sitting in a Baptist church today, could you show me two or three verses on missions? No, but I can tell you what Sean Hannity said. Could you show me what the Bible says about your responsibility to your church? No, but did you hear what Martin Levin said? You're listening to false prophets. Did you know that Sean Hannity is a Jesuit trained Catholic? Anyways, that's, I'll let that mess with your head for a little while. So the kingdom of heaven is not your responsibility. The kingdom of God is your responsibility. And people don't get into the kingdom of God unless they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ unless those who have the Lord Jesus Christ go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You're never going to have the perfect circumstances. It's not going to happen. You're never going to have the perfect kingdom, not to work missions from. A kingdom, a kingdom is coming in a day when you get to come back with the Lord and we're going to, we're going to kill everybody that's against the Lord and establish a kingdom. Till then, just preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Give money to missions. Give money to your church. Give your efforts to your church. This church needs servants. They don't need people to just show up and warm a pew on Sunday and Wednesday. Somebody arranges these pews. Somebody puts the hymn books out. Somebody takes out the trash. Somebody vacuums the floor. They need people that are given over to this place and that want to serve here so they can flourish and the gospel can get around the world. Do you know who does what around here? Have you ever looked at something and said, man, I wish somebody would clean that up. (laughs) Why don't you clean it up? Why don't you say, you know, I'm just going to take it upon myself you know, that needs to be done. And I go say, Pastor, you need to get that done. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to take care of it. Because I love my church, and I love what my church is trying to accomplish. And I want to get the gospel around the world, and I don't want anything, anything to hinder that. But that's not the typical mentality of the, of the average Baptist. Somebody will do it. If they don't, then I'll complain, and then we'll leave the church and say, the Lord led us somewhere else because there was dirt on the carpet. <laughs> so shallow and it's so empty and I hope, I hope that any, any semblance of that here will be cast out that door that you'll give yourselves over to the Lord you'll love the Lord and, and that you won't be so easily offended and run off by the most shallow empty things that don't matter when 153,000 souls are being cast into hell on a daily basis there are just a few things that are a little more important than your opinion well, praise the Lord. So the Lord has given you, the Lord has given, given you a, a, he's given you the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's read it. Let's, let's, let's finish this. Verse eight. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, what is the purpose for this power? Okay. You, we're, we're admitting the task of missions is a daunting task. We can't do it. Collectively together, we can't do it. <laughs> We need God's help. This is a massive task. So the Lord said that he's given us this power. What is the purpose of this power? Look at the other part of the verse. Um, Where were we? The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. So what is the purpose of this power? 
What is the point? Go back to Proverbs 24. The purpose of this power is to enable you to be able to get this job done. You have been given everything that you need. God gave you a Bible that that gives you everything pertaining to life and godliness. He gave you the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who loves missions and wants to help you affect the world in terms of missions and saving souls and building churches and and turning people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're going to do that with the Lord's help. You're going to try to do it on your own. And if, if, Proverbs 24, verse 10, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Well, your strength is small. But you've been given the power and the ability to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not an excuse we get to use. That's not available to us. You have been enabled to do this. How do I give more? <laughs> you found a way to give more to the restaurant. Found a way to give more to Lowe's and Walmart. How can you not find a way to give more to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you not see the hypocrisy in that? Is your heart at Walmart? <laughs> Have you seen the people in Walmart? They need you to go preach the gospel to them. They don't need you to spend any more money there. <laughs> it's, it's not available to us. Thy strength is small. It, it's okay to admit that you don't have the strength to do this. That, that's probably a good place to be. Because your reliance is supposed to be on the Lord Jesus Christ and the help and the work of the Holy Spirit, not on you. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, if thou forbear to deliver them that are, that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. The word forbear means to keep away from, to avoid, to abstain from, to refrain from to pause, to delay. Why would you forbear telling people that are going to die and go to hell about Jesus Christ? If thou forbear. We we have established tonight that a lot of people die on a daily basis, right? But a lot of people are still alive on a daily basis. A lot of people don't die on a daily basis. I I think it's somewhere around 7.7%. Five billion people is the current estimate of the world. That's a lot of preaching. That's going to take a lot of concerned hearts and a lot of concerned people who want to help bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ, getting into this and getting involved. That should be done here this week in this church. Why would you forbear when you know, when you know it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment? Do you not have a vision of the world's pending danger? Do you not have a vision of what's happening to people in this world? You know, drunk men are coming home and and harming their entire families if they make it home and don't kill another family on the way. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. People's lives are completely ravaged by drug addiction and porn addiction and every other addiction you can possibly think of. As a matter of fact, everything today is an addiction. I'm addicted to food. I mean, just everything's an addiction. They are in bondage that can only be broken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you would agree, you would agree with me that men cannot save themselves, right? I mean, that's a pretty obvious thing. You, you would agree only Jesus can save them. 
Muhammad can't help them. Buddha can't help them. Catholicism can't help them. <laughs> this current pope definitely can't help them. Yeah. He, he's been proven to be the vicar of losers. But are you doing all that you can to help men that are drawn unto death? They're going to die. And when they die without the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to be plunged in the hell. It says that Luke 16 says they're going to lift up their eyes in hell being in torment. There is no purgatory. There is no round two. There is no reset button. There's no starting over. This is serious and it's urgent. Another, I know this is another exciting sermon. But if, if you can't grasp, imagine growing up in Uganda. You live in the worst poverty you can imagine your entire life. And if you're not kidnapped by a voodoo doctor and used for some odd experiments, then you're going to grow up, nowhere to go, nothing to do. That, that's just how it is there. And then he's going to die and go to hell because nobody went and told him about Jesus Christ. And you have the opportunity to do something about that. You could go to Uganda, or you could send somebody to Uganda. You have people here. Uh, you have a man in Thailand that you've been supporting for some time. You have a brother who wants to go to Ireland. Ireland. Europe, uh, Europe is almost completely given over to secularism. They, at this point, hate God. They might have some Protestants there, but they might kill you for coming and trying to convert them over to your brand of Christianity. It's a dire situation. It's a very serious situation. You know, the Bible says, you know, these are one of those verses. I don't even like to read it. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. What a terrible thing to hear from God. Does that mean anything to you? Does that concern you on an individual level at all? Do we know that this world has no knowledge of God? I mean, I think that's abundantly clear. God said, I speak that. We, we look at that and we shake our heads. God said, I speak that to your shame. That is your fault. That is your responsibility. Why do these people not know God? It's you. You won't go tell them. You won't get involved. You don't care enough about what I did on that cross to go and give it to this world. That makes me want to crawl under a pew and go home and cry. <laughs> Lord needs servants. The Lord says, here is the world, the world for which I died. Will you forbear their deliverance? Verse 12 says, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. Behold, we knew it not. It gets worse. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? That terrifies me. Because you know what the Lord is saying there? He says, my people have made excuses for why they can't do this. So I'm going to sit back and I'm going to think about their excuses. I'm going to ponder it. I'm going to consider it. I'm going to think about it. And then I'm going to render that unto them according to their works. That would not be a good place to be. Where you want to be is 
I don't know how to do this, Lord. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the strength to do this. But I am going to give it my all according to your word and do the best I can until, until my last breath and I collapse at the finish line and just hope that you bless in between and hope that you help in between. People who have been washed in the blood of the lamb cannot make such a claim. I didn't know. Did you get saved? Did you trust in the Lord? How did you get from A to B? You didn't think anybody else needed that? You thought you were the only one? This is, this is not a level of ignorance we will get to, we will be permitted to claim. It's just not, not available to us. We don't get to do it. And could you imagine having that conversation at the judgment seat of Christ? Why didn't you go in the world and tell anybody? I didn't know. <laughs> Let me think about that. Just stand there. Not me. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? The Lord himself sits back and he says, hmm. Let me consider the imagination of the thoughts of their heart. Why are they saying that? Did I not give them any power? Did I not give them any income? Did I not bless them to live in the most prosperous country in the world? Did I do something wrong here? Did I not give them what they needed to accomplish this? Let me think about that. That is not an accusation I would want to put on God. That's not a place I would want to be. And whether you're going to be there or you're going to be on the other side of that, doing something for the Lord, is completely a choice that you were going to make. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's going to make you. What other aspect of your life is as significant as the eternal resting place of 153,000 souls per day? Is there anything else that takes precedent over that? Now, intellectually, you know the answer to that. But think about that question in view of the way you live your daily life. Is there anything that's actually more important than that? God loves the world. He gave his son for the world, but he ponders and he considers. Why won't my people go? Why aren't they engaged? Why don't they care? Did I not give them what they need? Did I do something wrong? So now let's consider Goodman Road Baptist Church. What if the Lord were to show up and just say, let me, let me sit back and think about what you've been doing. As a church, are you, are you committed? Are you engaged in the gospel? Are you engaged in missions? Are you engaged in what takes place around here? Are souls being saved and lives being helped and people, marriages being put back together and, and the, the endless list of horrendous things that come from living without God? Are they being, are they being turned around and people gaining victory because of your ministry here? This church has been good to us, to my family. You have invested yourselves in some of my family members that have really had some problems. And you have given yourselves over to trying to help them and to pray for them and to counsel them and to talk with them and to do all you could for them. Now, again, the results are not your responsibility. 
the investment is your responsibility. And so I know firsthand that this church has that desire. This church cares about people. But it can't just be in this room. It has to be bigger than this place. Too many people are dying. Too many people don't know. They have not the knowledge of God. And God speaks that to our shame. So you're going to have to get together this week. You got a week to plan this out and get it done. (laughs) How's that sound? And you're going to have to decide how important is this investment in the souls of men. And you should give your all. You should give everything you have into this. Your heart, your mind, your soul, your labor, your effort, your energy, your money. I know that nasty word everybody hates. The gospel is free. Getting it to people is not free. Right. That's right. You know how much it costs to live in Ireland? You wouldn't want to know. You live in North Mississippi. It costs you to have a heart attack. It's not cheap. And you might have seen that scenery and think, oh, he's suffering for Jesus. He's going to Ireland. (laughs) Well, if your plan is to go to Ireland and tell people about Jesus Christ, you're going to do some suffering. It's not going to be easy. But if there are not churches here praying for him, invested in his ministry, supporting his ministry, and doing all that they can to help them, then he comes home. Ireland remains without a witness, or at least without one more witness. I'm sure somebody's there, but 6.5 million people, they need more. So shall, shall he, shall he, shall not he render to every man according to his works? The Lord will ponder and consider your excuses. Then he will render to every man according to his works. You don't want those two weighed side by side. You don't want your excuses for why you didn't do anything set next to what you actually did. What you want is, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to try it anyways. That's what you want weighed against what you did. You want your willingness to put all you have into it weighed against what you actually did. Not excuses. It's, it's, it's a massive difference. The Lord said, I heard what you said, but what did you do about it? What will you do about it this week? How will it go this week? A vision for missions requires a vision for this world. You need the Lord's help to accomplish this task. So as the pastor comes... It's two nights... Two nights so far. The first night you got to see what the world is like with no vision. You got to see what a church is like with no vision. People perish. They, lo- they lose their, their, not their lives. They lose their soul in eternity. And so now you get to see the desperate need of this world. And you understand that Jesus Christ is the solution But Jesus Christ works through you. He needs you to be involved to accomplish this. I hope that's heavy on your heart and mind this week. Let's pray. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.